the Word of God from Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you yield yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once yielded your members to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now yield your members to righteousness for sanctification. Let us pray for illumination. Without the assistance of you, O Holy Spirit. We are unable to read and interpret these writings breathed out from the nature and being of God. But with your help, our eyes shall be opened, our hearts made receptive, and our minds attuned to all that you have to say to us today. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. This is the table of our Master. He said, This do in remembrance of me. We don't often think of him as Master. That may be because we don't think of ourselves as his slaves. But that greatest Christian of all, the apostle, Paul called himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And every Christian is a slave of Christ. That's the theme of these verses from 15 to 19 of Romans chapter 6. The slavery of the believer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Paul begins the paragraph in verse 15, he wants to lay to rest forever that monstrous suggestion that since we are not under law but under grace, we are therefore free to do whatever we may wish. In fact, free even to sin. By no means. Because we have done away with that error which says that the law is a means of salvation does not mean in any way that we have done away with the law of God as an expression of his will for our lives or as a guide for Christians. Not a bit. We are not under legalism whatsoever, but we would serve God now with our heart. Therefore, you cannot say, since we are not under the law, but under grace, 
we may continue in sin. No, not a bit. God's law will always be the expression and standard of his perfection. Furthermore, it is impossible and unthinkable to say that we ought to go on sinning since we have been made slaves of righteousness. How can a slave go back to his former master? We are seized by a beloved bondage. We have chains around us which are beautiful, and these chains are celebrated in the supper served before us today. We might say that one purpose of the sacrament is to celebrate our slavery. It is the board that shows forth our beloved bondage. But the human spirit champion that it is of freedom. How can it sing about the loveliness of chains? Well, it is a beautiful bondage we're in. And this paragraph, verses 15 to 19 of Romans chapter 6, gives us four reasons for the loveliness of the Christian's slavery. The first is that we have been created to be slaves to God. Look within your own heart. Don't you see there the tendency toward being under the mastery of another? You know what it is to lie. At first, a lie is horrifying. Tell it again, and it is shaking. Tell a lie a third time, and it is natural and easy. Because the human spirit is such that it brings itself under a mastery of another. It has a tendency, while speaking about freedom from oppression and mastery, it has within it the desire, the need, and requirement to be under the dominion of another. That is within us. How did it get there? But God himself placed it there. He made us that we are not independent creatures. We must be under the leadership of one. He did that so that we would not be independent from him, but that we would follow after his guidance and call him captain of our salvation, that he would be all in all to us. He did not create us to live apart from him. And so our nature in its very deepest sense cries out for an authority. We are made for mastery. And here the apostle who is the great anatomist of the human heart, the biblical psychologist of the human spirit, says there are only two lordships under which a man can live. You are slaves either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. These are the two ultimate totalitarian authorities under which a man can live, either sin or obedience, which leads to righteousness. From the text, there is no neutral ground. Many are trying for that, but there is none. Since we must have a master, 
and there are only two, every man will find himself sorted out under the mastery of one or the other. You cannot be half committed to one and with the balance of your personality serve the other. For our Lord Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. How do we know whom we serve and in whose lordship we are? Well, that's given. You are slaves of the one whom you obey. Don't look to your words or to your profession, but look to your behavior to find your Lord. It matters not what your lips may confess. What is the path of conduct that issues from your life? That describes your lordship. Is it running out after sin? Is that the course and continuance of your life? Is that its direction? Then you are under the bondage of sin, whatever you may profess. Or though stumbling is the course and direction, the thrust of your life after obedience, is your weeping only that you are not more obedient and longing for it as you will, though you stumble at times, this is the goal of your life. Then your Lord is obedience which leads to righteousness. If we say we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. What a bondage this is. It's a lovely bondage, this bondage to obedience. Because the more we look in our heart and in the scriptures, the more we see that we were created for it. Likewise, from this verse, we can see that we were cast into it. In verse 17, we read, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. The Apostle Paul had never been to Rome, didn't know these Christians nor their background individually. But he says, without knowing them, you were slaves of sin. How can he say that? Well, the point is that every person in Adam, every man and woman, is a slave of sin, born into the bondage and the kingdom and tyranny of sin. There is no choice. That's where they existed. That's where every man exists. And some, by culture and refinement and respectability, seem to rise above the bondage of sin and seem to be quite moral and quite presentable in Christian circles and may pass even for the finest of the godly. But the evidence of being bound in sin is this, that they are unwilling to confess their utter need for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Not only unwilling, but unable to confess that. And because they are unable, they show forth that they are slaves of sin, no matter how respectable and refined life may have been made. You were that, said Paul to the Romans, but you have become obedient from the heart. This is a picture of something God has done. As you read through, the whole thrust of the passage is in the passive voice. Not something we have done. Not by works of righteousness, but by his mercy. 
that we who were in the grip of Satan and sin's hand have been removed by the hand of God and put into the dominion of obedience. He has transferred us from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, the, that can't be done with a part of a person. Whoever is transferred from the tyranny of sin to the slavery of obedience is transferred as a whole being, body, mind, emotions, will. Every part of him is brought into this new and beloved bondage. Notice the figure that he uses. You became obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Here the Greek word suggests that you were in a mold shaped by sin and God melted you down in the fires of conviction and repentance and poured your molten life into the mold of the form of doctrine which is Christ's. He remolded you and thereby shaped and configured you anew so that you were a new creature altogether. It is not that you have been handed a body of doctrine and you hold it in your hand, but rather that you as a person have been handed to the body of doctrine and it now possesses you, it molds you, it shapes you. You are a, a slave of the mold into which you have been poured. You have no choice about it. You were committed to this standard, this body of teaching, and you now belong Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Because whatever God makes is beautiful. He made the mold. He poured us into it. And the thing we celebrate today is the loveliness of the bondage into which we have been brought by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a third reason in this passage that we love our slavery. It is the great contrast to the old bondage. He says, And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. There's the contrast. Free from sin, slaves of righteousness. Well, somebody says, I'm not free from sin yet, therefore I must not be a slave of righteousness. No, those words must be interpreted by the analogy of faith, which is putting them together with everything else that Scripture teaches. Free from sin does not mean that sin no longer resides in my bodily members, for we already saw in chapter 6 that that is the case. Sin does cling to my physical body, my mortal body. It is not dominant. It has been rendered weak by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it exists and resides there, and I must war against it. But what I am free from is the tyranny and dominion of sin in my personality. For that old man has passed out of existence, and I am a new man in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that I'm free from temptation. You will have temptations. Let them come. Don't invite them. 
But when they come, turn them into sanctifying processes. As that temptation comes, meet it with the grace of Christ. Trample it under feet. And you will see that you've grown in the process. You who were slaves of sin have been restored. This is the beautiful picture. Maybe some of you are like I am. You get a pleasure out of taking some old and discarded item and polishing and working at it until it shines is again useful and perhaps even beautiful. That's what God is like. He put that in our hearts. He loves to take a soul that's encrusted with sinful ways and permeate it with iniquity and begin to polish and reform and recast this individual and restore him into the very righteousness in which Adam was created. Oh, the beauty of the restored painting or home or automobile may exceed the beauty of the original because it has been so labored over and loved. And that's you. You who were slaves to sin have become slaves to righteousness. Now, every Bible illustration breaks down at points. And here, this one does also. Because there are some real differences between the old slavery and the new. The slavery to sin was abnormal and destructive. The slavery to righteousness meets our inner creative instincts and beautifies and strengthens us. The slavery to sin was coercive. We must do its will. The slavery to obedience is willing. We want to do the will of Christ in so much as we can and all that within us lies, we do it. This was a slavery of hate that would lead to our own damnation. But the beloved bondage is a slavery of love. Paul cried out for you and me when he said, the love of Christ controls me. From the heart, we want to serve him with all our being. This slavery, this old slavery was Bondage. We had no choice, no joy. But this new slavery is freedom because we're doing what we want to do and because our being now is under the authority of our reason. That's when a man is free and the reason has been exalted in Christ and renewed and therefore we are freer than we have ever been in the bondage of our blessed Redeemer. Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up the sword, and I shall conqueror be. There's one other reason why this slavery is so sweet, which we celebrate at the supper today. It is in its continuance, that is where it leads. 
We, as a people, have been enslaved to righteousness. That means that every person who is a true Christian, if you have been justified by faith in Christ, you have embraced him as your own, even though you're stumbling and falling along in the Christian life, you have been enslaved to righteousness. That one whom you obey will have his way in you. If he doesn't do it through his truth, if he doesn't sanctify you through truth, he will sanctify you through chastening. And he will cause you to be chastised and to suffer. But one way or the other, he will bring you to holiness because you are enslaved already to holiness. That is your destiny. Therefore, he says, cooperate with your purpose in the same way that at one time you gave your weekends, your energy, your strength to your sinful ways and you became more and more enmeshed in iniquity and you became farther and farther down the road toward damnation in that same way now yield your members as instruments of righteousness cooperate with God get active in the Christian pursuit of holiness take the parts of your body and your personality and all your powers and yield them as as weapons in the army of God so that daily they are being used. Don't grow lazy now that you've been enslaved to righteousness, but give the same kind of intense interest that you gave to sin to the enterprise of God. And more and more as you do, you'll find the image of Christ conforming and developing in your own being. Others will see it in you. You probably won't see it in yourself. But you will take steps toward holiness. And the purpose of God will be worked out in you. Because there's an intimate union between theory and practice. If you begin to live out what is taught here and what we claim to believe, that we have been enslaved to righteousness, if you live that out in daily life, you will find more and more progress toward the goal of holiness in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blood has been shed for you and for me. Therefore, let us go on and be what we have been made to be in Christ, bond servants to holiness, anything else is unthinkable for one who has tasted of this heavenly gift. Let us pray. Beloved Master of our souls, Lord of life, how grateful we are for this slavery into which we have been brought. We love our chains in Christ. They are our symbol.
freedom and hope and holiness. Bind us ever tighter to yourself, O Savior, and give us such obedient hearts that we shall run toward the goal of Christ-likeness in all that we do. Move our hearts now to your supper. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.